Well, welcome in. Day two of the uh, the Alberta experiment. Of course, Paul is still a touch under the weather. We wish him the best. Uh, feeling lousy yesterday. A lot of people are feeling lousy. Maybe it's the, the incredible change with what was relatively tropical weather, uh, followed up by nothing but snow and 15 below zero type stuff. It's lovely out there, isn't it, Rieger? You know, it's uh, going to be really nice, a balmy, what, 40 next week at the end of the week? So we'll be back. I'll take 40. We might even get some yeah. golf in, but the snow won't melt that fast. Correct. Listen, we're going to have some fun today. I was thinking about acronyms and, and rhyming words like, you know, what is it? Is it a fun Friday? You know, I don't get to do that many Fridays, but when I do, I, I feel that the obligation, some kind of urge to come up with a cashy name like a, a free Friday or fun Friday or, or feisty Friday or frisky Friday or something. Do you guys have any ideas? Or a freaky Friday or something like that. Yeah. That was a movie. You're, is, is, is Friday just your movie day? That's all you can do is think about movies. Yeah, Friday is movie. Yeah, it is. It's kind of movie on the brain Friday usually. Yeah, you got me. I just was listening to the end of of uh, Tom's show and, and they're talking Kevin's show. Obviously, they're talking to that super fan Crack guy. He's a, he seems like a riot. What's yeah. it? What's his name? His name is uh, Ron Crackman. Crack Crack Crackiola. Is what is he's a former uh, crack, so he goes, just goes by crack man. Yeah, he's a former uh, like a lineman, like um uh, for DTE, and uh, he always goes to all the games. Uh, he wears overalls. He wears argyle socks. He wears oh, a, yeah, uh, a yeah, lions. Yeah. I've seen that guy. Yeah, lions hard hat helmet. He, he travels with him. He goes on the road, and he's been doing it for years. And uh, so he is one of these fans right now that is just um, obviously taking. Uh, just loving everything that's going oh, on with another with another home game, you know, for the playoffs. For him. You know, you know who should congratulate him and tell him that he's happy for him is Matt Stafford. If you have a name like Crackman, I I imagine that over the years when he told people, "This is what I do in my spare time. I travel with the Lions and I collect memorabilia." They're like, "You must be on crack if you like that team." After all, these <laughs> right, years. right, right, right. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I'm not sure. If, I'm not sure of the of uh, the genesis of crack man, but uh, it, uh, it, it makes sense. Cause they probably, that people probably did tell him that for the past, uh, however many years he's been following the lions and traveling with them to their away games. Dave, I respect your intellect, but I pretty sure the reason that he went by crack man, cause he had crack in his last name. I'm sure probably yeah. true. It's, it doesn't seem like a huge jump. All right. Well, listen, we got, we have quite a bit of, of good stuff coming up. We're gonna have some time for fun too. I don't know if Danielle's on the horn yet, but we're going to we're going to have a little fun later on. I want to talk about, you know, a few things, two or three things that we would be happy to see just get out of our lives these days, whether it's a product or a service or a, an idea or something. And then a few things that you'd love to see come back in that same genre, for yeah. example, like the drive in movie, whatever it is. Let's have some fun with it. It doesn't have to turn into a culture war, but I think it's a it's a worthwhile discussion. And I want you and I want Danielle to chip in. You actually have to do some work on a notepad or something. Yeah, we had Danielle knows about it. She stepped out for a moment, but she is very excited and is preparing. All right, listen, uh, at 1218, Jared Halpern's going to join. Biden's going out to North Carolina. He's announcing um, an excessive amount, it seems, of funding for this high-speed Internet project, giving basically everybody in the country Internet access. What's the first thing you think of when you hear that? Schools. Okay, and, that's and, interesting. And for, and for the kids. And for the school and for the and for the people that uh, live out where it uh, where Internet access is not readily available. And, uh, okay. yeah, I think that to, in today's world, as much as 
some people uh, may not like the technology and the advancements that we have, you kind of got to have internet. Yeah, listen, I'm reticent to ever use the word deserve. It's one of my least favorite words in the American language. We, I think we oftentimes hear that word, and I always think I don't deserve very much. I can earn plenty, and I, sure, I don't deserve very much at all. Right. But the reality is you are at a severe disadvantage if you don't have Internet access, whether that's because right. of your socioeconomic place in the world, which can be hard, mm-hmm. or whether it's just because you're in a location where you can't get it and the, right. the satellite triangulation and all that. But the first thing that comes to mind with stuff like that nowadays is buying votes. When, when I hear that, I go, well, is that because you're, you're primarily pleasing low-income people with that kind of thing, and that's a voter demographic that you're trying to grab back? Because yesterday's, the yesteryear Democrat, often low-income person who was kind of the working class, has really become the Republican voter in almost every seismic way that that has shifted. The elitists are often now the leftists, and the working class has become the kind of the the, the MAGA Trump type people in, in a lot of these studies, it's a fascinating shift. So I just, when I saw that, my ire went up just a touch. I'll ask Jared what he thinks, but I mean, uh, the school system, I guess, you know, you have a very benevolent sense about you, Dave Rieger. So you jump to something very nice. And I, of course, have suspicion. I mean, I kind of get where you're going with it now. I didn't think about that, but it does make sense. Well, look, when did, when did uh, our, our governor, um, Miss Whitmer, Gretchen Whitmer, start really working on the roads. I mean, she promised, I'm fixed the damn roads. And she, she they, they, they did. They've been working on them. And, and we know that they've been working on them because it takes twice as long to get a lot of the places that we used to go. Right. But when did that project really start? It started basically right in the second term election season. Right. Now, I don't know that there wasn't logistical roadblocks and funding issues and other things. But my suspicion is that in large part, it makes more sense to wait and get that project underway when it's going to leave a very fresh sense in your in your brain and a taste in your mouth that here I am doing what I said I was going to do. But, See, I also, give me another term. but I also will say that a lot of that got delayed due to COVID. If you remember, there, yeah. nobody was out doing anything. I mean, Congress didn't do anything. They took a lot of vacations during. I COVID. mean, you know, I'm just far as as far as the as far as the early days, as far as the road work was concerned. I mean, there's a lot of times where I see that the, uh, you know, the orange barrel, the orange cone is out and you don't see workers for miles. Well, and, listen, when you're down south, you know, they do that stuff at night. I mean, if you ever driven down to trust Tennessee, me, Vegas, example, they do they, yeah, Vegas, they do it at night. They do it right. Yeah. I mean, we have plenty of heat in the in the night in summer here in Michigan and in the fall, for that matter. Right? I totally agree with you. Yeah. When I when I drive down to to no, to get the studio, for example, or I head out to Novi or whatever it might be, and you, it's incredible the amount of traffic you're waiting in in not even rush hour. All right, I'll get off that that topic. Um, we're going to talk cell phones in schools too. This is becoming more and more of an issue. You know, are the kids really just allowed to have cell phones now in their pocket? They're playing on social media. They're sending text messages back and forth. They're watching who knows what. And we have an expert to come on and talk about that. I'll get some thoughts. Again, let's get listeners involved today. 800-859-0957. After Jared comes on, is is uh, President Biden's trip uh, to North Carolina, is it a vote grab? Is, is the internet thing, internet access for everybody kind of overdue? Well, what are your thoughts? I read some really interesting pieces on the amount of vacation days, which I have a problem with. And I want to come back to that later. And it's not that I have a problem with uh, President Biden's vacation days. I have a problem with the way that the media covers their vacation days. Because if you're the president, are you ever really on vacation? I don't think so, especially if uh, anything happens. Because a lot of times you hear like the president's at Camp David and uh, then this happened. 
Yeah. I mean, Camp David, his house. I mean, you ever been, have you ever been in a spot where the president is? It's incredible. They're, they're surrounded by like 40 people all the time, oh, yeah. not including the secret service, but their guys are never on vacation. That's true. I don't know. All right. Back in just a few minutes, we'll talk to Jared Halpern about the internet project. Hang tight. All right, Rieger, can you imagine a life with no internet at this point in 2023? Oh, Dave might be trying to get Jared on the phone for us. He is. Hi, Danielle. Hi. Welcome. Hi, I'm here. Danielle, can you imagine, young lady, not having internet? Not at this this current juncture, no. Well, according to Forbes, there's about 42 million Americans who have no access to broadband, according to Broadband Now, the FCC's reporting metrics. Um, now, that's a little bit muddy, those statistics. I kind of wonder, maybe we'll get a, a chance to ask Jared, does that mean that 42 million households don't have it or 42 million people? I mean, does that really make sense? If you're six years old and you live with your mom, is that two people or is it one person who happens to live in a house that doesn't have internet? kind of interesting like how are you supposed to watch dora the explorer or anybody's angry social media post about how many vacations president biden takes oh no i don't know danielle do you think that the president of the united states should be able to take plenty of vacation time yeah he's in charge of everyone i think he can take vacation time like isn't it, his primary job is to be available for super important decisions right mm-hmm I'm going to talk about this with a reader later too, because I'm sure it'll garner some phone calls because we've got to get the phones lit up today. 800-859-0957. I, I always thought it was a little bit silly when, you know, people on the left years ago were going after Trump so much for his, you know, quote unquote, excessive vacation time. He was going back to Mar-a-Lago. He was playing golf at some of his golf properties and they made a really big deal out of this. And now Biden's on track in his first four years to have more, quote unquote, vacation days than, than Trump had. And they both were rather excessive if you look at it as a percentage basis. But you can't find anywhere in these statistics, does that include weekends? It doesn't really matter where they are. Like if I'm at Camp David and I have all the same technologies there, my entire staff is there with me you know, in the house next door and I'm still having meetings. Is that a vacation day? It doesn't sound like a vacation. Mm, I don't know. But honestly, he's got arguably one of the most stressful jobs out there. He's in charge of this country. So I think that he should have ample time to rest and relax. Of our last uh, six or so, six or seven presidents, you know who took the least amount of vacation days? Uh, Bush. Obama. No, Bush was pretty bad, actually. Really? Yeah, he's always, you know, not always. I can't say always. He did a lot of golf stuff, went back to Texas a lot, kind of a at good old, you know, he would stay at his property a lot in Texas. And that's one of the things I think with all of these guys, it's really not fair. Like, why are we, why are we arguing over this? If, if Biden wants to go back to his property in Delaware and work, fine. It's not yeah, that far. feet up on the couch watching the Three Stooges or something. I don't think, <laughs> you really think that that's the case. I highly doubt it. Right? And same with Trump. If Trump wants to go play golf, the, the argument that some of these guys are just absolutely screwing around and, you know, Trump's just going to play golf with his benefactors and Biden's borrowing a house from his friends in the Virgin Islands, you know, just before Christmas. Who, why, why is it our business if he's got friends that want to say, hey, Joe, stay at our place, won't charge you a dime. And then all these reports come out and say, well, VRBO and Airbnb would have would have said that this house, had you rented it as a normal person, would have cost $6,000 a night or something. Why didn't they have to pay that? Because they're your friends. Duh. If you offer me half your sandwich because you're not going to eat it, 
are you going to give me like the fair market price for your sandwich? Half my, well, my sandwich was $9. Can you, can you please give me $4 and 50 cents? No. I was saying, just take it. Cause you're not a jerk, right? Yeah. I'm a normal yeah, so person. Some super wealthy friend that's got a house in the Virgin islands and they're not going to be there anyway. And they go, Hey, Joe, Jill, I think that's her name. Use our house. Who cares? I don't care about any of that stuff. I, why can't our modern media cover things that actually matter versus arguing with one another about who is the lazier president? That's because everything's political these days. That's why. That's the reason why, because everything is by is not, is bipartisan and everything is political. So this would be the argument, Rieger, for not needing Internet in the first place, because you just drive yourself mad. What about the five million people who never use the Internet? That's an interesting statistic, because the question is why. They're probably happier. Just, probably mm-hmm. less. They would have less um, anxiety, depression. You know, when you get into the kids and all the social media stuff and. You look at, well, this is where, what is the influence coming from? What about the, the average 50 year old who says, you know what the heck with it? I don't need to read this nonsense anymore. I'm just going to go to work, come home, play my game, watch my television show, read my book, take care of my kids, play in my garden, go hit the golf ball, get old and die happy. That's kind of not realistic though. In today's, uh, in today's society where you kind of in the internet is just everything kind of runs. I mean, I know that, you know, um, how many people still write checks to pay their bills or do you mostly pay them online? How many people, you know, you know, go to, you know, do have streaming with their with their TVs instead of just regular cable now because they decided that they, you know, wanted to cut the cords. Everything runs on the Internet these days. So it's kind of kind of like you're kind of out of you're like you're like it's like it's like that movie from back in the day. Uh, what was it called? Um where he went and lived on the, the kid lived on the bus and he went off the grid. Oh, I know exactly what you're into talking about. Into the wild. Into the wild. Into yeah, the wild. exactly. Yeah. I'm going to go uh, in, live uh, just off the grid, you know, and just uh, just live off the just live off the earth. Technically, you know, he, have... he didn't intend to live off the grid for that long. He got stuck in the winter. He, True. He went hiking he at the wrong time of year. And then and then and then, unfortunately, while it was a great story, uh, died in the dumbest way possible by like eating a poisonous like he, a flower or something. No, he ate the or, wrong berry. Or a berry. Is like, I re- saw re- his bus. Well, he borrowed that from Brooke. What's her name? You know, from yeah. the from the movie from the eighties, perhaps. But look, sometimes I find myself in that in that little rabbit hole where you find some clip on YouTube about a guy or a gal or a guy and a gal who, or a guy and a guy these days, for all I know, that end up living off the grid in some kind of hut that they made or in a camper or something. And it, I mean, it's enormously peaceful. I think you'd be bored out of your mind you know, looking around for fresh water and finding a way to put sticks together to make a wind chime or something like that. <laughs> like if you literally like, like your life becomes survivor. I'm like, uh, just like out on the, um, you know, on some Island, just, you know, living Peter, off I got the earth. five kids and a wife. My every day of my life is an episode of survivor. <laughs> really? when, when people okay. start talking about like, well, you know, you're playing the victim. I'm like, I, if I wanted to play the victim, I could play the victim every single day, starting at like 6 a.m. when they all start waking up. Because they go, the last two hours were so perfectly peaceful. And, you know, like the other night, somebody got sick in the middle of the night. No, not crazy sick, but sick enough where it woke everybody up. And then the dog started barking. And by the time, you, you know, it's like that was like one o'clock in the morning. I didn't fall back asleep at all until about four, which is normally when I get up. Mm. And then my wife gets up and she opens the door and she's she apparently has slept enough at this stage. And she starts to go doing dishes and she's grinding coffee and moving things around. And I just got up and I want to just walk out the front door and not come back for a couple of days. Mm. 
survivor is what I am. And then I did the radio show for you guys. Wow. Look at you. Listen, so no Jared today. Rieger, what is your take on the internet thing? Is the internet thing any in any way, shape, or form uh, an attempt to buy votes from lower income demographics? Or is it just at this point something that is almost not fair? It's almost a human rights issue to, to have access to the same information that we all have. Danielle, what do you think? Oh, God, don't ask me. Man, you're on the show. I'm, I didn't expect to be on the show this much today. Wow. Um, you are. You're a very special girl. Uh, repeat the question. Is it a human rights issue almost to, to have access to information? Because if you take the word internet out and say mm-hmm. information, mm-hmm. you want to be on a level playing field, you need access to this, whether it's just geographical or it's financial, you know, in terms of ability or both. Mm-hmm. Is it a right to have internet? Is it a right? I don't think it's a right. I don't think it's a right to have the internet. I think it's a luxury. Because as we say, not everyone has the internet. I don't think, no, I don't is think it, it's a right. If we Is it a luxury to have a library? like in your city i mean the library 30 years ago was the closest thing we had to the internet so if you didn't have a library and you couldn't access information to whatever you wanted to to learn or find out or have some kind of you know power in leverage in in terms of intellect you didn't have one is that was it a right to have a library because we have public libraries that are funded by taxpayer dollars so that you can have access to information how's the internet i still think it's a luxury because there are places that don't have libraries and not everyone uses the library it's what you what you use it for so does anyone really understand the dewey decimal system anyway is really the question no honestly no it's like we can come up with a better thing at this point, like a microchip in the book and you, on your app on your phone, you say, here's the book I'm trying to find. And it just gives you a pointer, like when you're downtown and it tells you how to walk to the restaurant. Yeah, that's a luxury. These are all luxuries. All right. You're right. Very luxurious life we're trying to live. Sleeping in tall cotton, as they may say. We'll be back after the break. Is internet a luxury or is it something you deserve? 800-859-0957. So our discussion has been about uh, internet access with a reported 42 million or so people in the United States not having internet access, at least high-speed broadband access. And Jared Halpern's able to join us now. Jared, a WJR correspondent, contributor. Jared, with President Biden heading to North Carolina announcing this funding project for high-speed internet, what's the bigger story there? How is this being perceived by potential voters? And is this something that's been planned for a long time, an ongoing project? What's the lay of the land? Yeah, well, the person that was there yesterday is kind of a way to, to talk about what federal funding is doing uh, across uh, communities, and especially sort of more rural communities like those found in, in North Carolina, where one in three North Carolinians uh, do not have access to high-speed internet. And so this was uh, less of a campaign speech, although there was always a little bit of campaigning in it, I suppose, and more of a, uh, a kind of uh, how is the federal government working for you speech, right? This is money, uh, grant money uh, that was allocated through things like the uh, infrastructure law, through the um, some of the coronavirus, the COVID uh, bills that, that came out of Congress over the last couple of years, the American Rescue Plan, things like that. Uh, also notable is that uh, the president views a lot of this is kind of manufacturing uh, revival. Um, it, obviously, one of the, the things that it takes to connect high-speed internet in places that lack that is an awful lot of fiber optics lines, right? You have to build, you have to 
manufacture those lines and you got to dig them and, and put them underground and, and make sure that they are connectable. A lot of those fiber optics cables um, are being built in North Carolina. So that was a lot of what the president focused on. And then he used that uh, certainly as, a, as an opportunity to kind of um, show how his vision for, for the economy and Bidenomics differs from uh, Republicans and, and certainly former President Trump, who it is increasingly looking like will be the Republican nominee. Um, and, you know, I, that's a big part of why the president's taking these trips, too. Certainly when you look at polling, the economy, inflation, what people are spending uh, is top of mind, a top issue. And it is one in which President Biden remains underwater. More Americans disapprove of his handling of the economy than approve of his handling of the economy. I think that you hear a lot of frustration uh, about that from not just the president, but certainly folks here at the White House. They see a lot of positive uh, things happening in the economy, at least from the macro sense, right? Low unemployment rate, you are seeing steady job growth, you are seeing uh, inflation start to taper off a little bit. And, and they see all of that is really good and, and believe that the president uh, ought to be getting more credit for it. The president's kind of expressed a similar sentiment himself. And so I expect that we will see uh, these types of, of visits where he can go to places that are kind of getting the benefits from some of these federal programs and, and talk about it in a way that maybe uh, gives him a better story to tell as it relates to, to the economy and his handling of it. Yeah, Jared, sure, Rieger and I were talking early in the program about that. That was my first instinct when I saw the story, not to sound pessimistic, but I think that there's been not a, maybe a seismic shift, but certainly a shift going on amongst low-income people. The working class have often started moving more to the right as more of the kind of high-class elitists have moved a touch left. So this kind of project, this kind of funding when you say this is something that the, the most socioeconomically depressed in our country are not going to have access to, and this is a feather in my cap because I'm the one giving it to you, seems kind of symbolic to to a degree, and it could be a bit of an yeah. attempt at grabbing some of those votes back. What was the what what is North Carolina's role, and is it purely symbolic because that's an area that is plagued with that kind of rurality, or is there an intention to start one of those projects there? Is it actually a, a site that they intend on going to first? So it, it kind of depends project by project. Remember, a lot of this money is through grant programs. So there has to be kind of an application process through through state and local governments. And so that has happened in North Carolina. Their, their governor there has embraced a lot of these opportunities and, and tried to, to kind of take advantage of those resources. As I said, uh, they're also uh, are uh, they are manufacturing a lot of these fiber optic lines that are going to be used across the country right there in North Carolina. So that was part of the reason uh, that North Carolina uh, was was selected. They, they have a high proportion of uh, residents who uh, do not have access to to um, kind of that high-speed Internet. And it is something that has got a lot more attention, as you can imagine, during the pandemic, right? You had uh, kids that were doing remote schoolwork. You had parents that were doing remote work. And, and suddenly those inequalities – really kind of came to the forefront. And so North Carolina, as I said, has been on the forefront of trying to apply for some of that grant money. And listen, I think every event has a little bit of politics underneath it as well. North Carolina, a state that was won by, uh, by Trump uh, by uh, about one and a half percentage points. So it's probably a state that, that the president and his reelection campaign uh, are eyeing a little bit, probably don't want to take off the board quite so early. And, and you know, why not show up and and talk a little policy in hopes that maybe it changes yeah, the right. politics just a little bit. All right. Do we know how, Jared, those numbers are, 
measured at all. The one I was citing earlier, Forbes, I think, was showing that 42 million Americans don't have access to, to broadband yeah. or high-speed internet. Is it 42 million people or is it households? How do they count? Yeah, I think it's probably trying. I mean, a lot of it's done through census, right? It's one of the questions in the census. It's done through kind of local and, 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 and state initiatives to kind of get a sense of where the needs are. Um, I think that's probably a measurement of people, and, and that's reflected in kind of taking what the average household is. Um, I guess if you were to like say that the average household's like four people or five people, right? So 